Baseball is back, and so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode. And catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. What up? Welcome to the show. It's Friday. You made it to the end of the week. Salakata sitting in for Perloff today, although I just got an update. Perloff has attempted skiing for the first time in his entire life. And he said he'll tell us about it on Monday. Ooh, All right. Well, there's geez. a tease. Yeah. <laughs> there Pro. you go. Is he going to come in like in a neck brace? I don't know. We're going to find out. <laughs> anyway, Salakata, WFAN and SNY, good enough to sit in for Perloff today. And listen, you know this because you're on in New York. Now this is the one topic that no one can get away from, but it's all across the country is Aaron Rodgers. Because, of course, the Jets fans think they're getting Aaron Rodgers. Green Bay is appears to be sending, I think, some mixed messages, Sal. You know, I, I don't think, know what to believe with these reports. I, it's hard because, on the one hand, you'll have Tom Pelissero from NFL Network who will say, you know, yes, the Packers want Rodgers back if he's all in. But he's got to be all in. It's like, well, if you're questioning a guy who's making $60 million and who presumably wants to win another Super Bowl, if you're questioning whether he's all in, you're telling me all I need to know with – with just that question. And do we think because he goes on a darkness retreat in the offseason <laughs> that he's not all in? Like, why would I? Because I saw some of that as well. Yeah. Like, who, wh- why? What's the difference? So if somebody goes to the Bahamas for 10 days or <laughs> Hawaii, they're not all in? It's, his, it's the offseason. He can do whatever he wants. Well, because he didn't go to the OTAs. Didn't want to do any offseason Who does? Work. <laughs> well, especially when you got some young guys on the roster, you're trying to work them in. Now, the one thing, I don't think that going on a darkness retreat doesn't mean that he wants to play football. But what I do think going on a darkness retreat means is that you are obviously looking for something very deep and profound in your life. And you might feel like you're almost out of places to turn. The darkness retreat to me seems kind of extreme, right? Like this is beyond just talking to a therapist and doing, you know, even ayahuasca seems kind of extreme, quite frankly. But like he's looking for something. And it's not that you can't play football while you're still looking for something. It's just what's your priority now? Is your priority now to figure out what's going on in your life? Billy or boy, your... oh, Billy boy. <laughs> Hope he one day wakes up and finds whatever it is you're looking for. <laughs> yeah. Here is a nice piece of... Billy That's what Madison, think of. very yeah. nice. So uh, I, I understand what you're saying, Maggie, but don't you think, and it's a level of... Like, I'll never get to that level to where I've made 60 million bucks a year or whatever it may be, yeah. right? His level of fame, his level of success. Oh, there's still time for you, Sal. I feel, yeah, right. <laughs> I feel like sometimes people that get to that, that's why, like, we normal people yes. think that celebrities are weird for the way that they act or different things that they do. Rogers, who's dated celebrities in, sure. in Hollywood, whatever it may be, all right, he does things that aren't normal to you or I, maybe, and maybe he is looking for something more profound or deeper, but. I feel like there's a different level of life that maybe is not relatable to us because we don't like we're chasing whatever right? you want to yeah. make more money or have better hours, whatever it may be, trying yeah. to get through the day, trying to raise your kids the right way and figure yeah. out what to do at school. He's already won. Like those things are all over. What's the next challenge? What's going to push him? And maybe that's what he's trying to do. Well, I do think that doing things like this and not, it's not just for famous people. It's not just for rich people. Like we've seen some of the testimony. Well, maybe they're rich. I don't know, but it's not just for famous people. There's been testimonials of people on this website where he went to dark cave retreats or whatever, uh, dark sky. Mm-hmm. And they seem there. I, I didn't recognize any of them, but it is, 
it does show two things. It shows you have like the luxury of time, which right. a lot of people don't have. That's not relatable to a lot of people. Hey, you can fly to Southern Oregon and go in the dark for four days. The middle of nowhere, right. It'd it, be great to be it, able to do that. It kind of feels like a little luxurious, a little self-indulgent. But to me, after reading a lot about it, I think it's kind of the opposite. I mean, people are really looking for something because they have major unanswered questions in their life, whether it be trauma or some other things. At least that's how it comes off from the website. Now, again, they're trying to sell you on coming here using their retreat so maybe they're using the most extreme example okay but again what does that have to do and i get why we in the media are making much about it yeah because it's unique yeah it's like oh my god what's wrong with this guy but why and i like i love his response like you he says okay i'm going on a darkness retreat and everybody's like oh oh my god aaron Rodgers going on a dark oh do you believe that what a loser he is and he's like why is everybody freaking out i'm doing me like i'm allowed for whatever reason it may be he's doing it i couldn't care less and from a jets packers whoever wants him standpoint raiders he's still a great quarterback like that's again similar to russell wilson i don't care if he wants an office or what he's doing as long as it doesn't impact the team in a negative way same with aaron Rodgers. and i don't believe that his retreats or his hallucinogens or whatever it is that he's doing are going to impact whatever team he goes to in a negative way Uh it is a little crazy, though, to think that he would emerge from this darkness retreat and go, the Jets. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, I've seen the light. It's the J-E-T-S, Jets, Jets, Jets. That seems a little bit crazy, but listen, we don't know what he's going to say. And the one part about it is you just also don't know how long he wants to play for. And that's what this whole hangup is. And I think that's where the Packers or the Jets or the Raiders or whoever is really going to have a tough time because it's a lot of money. It's going to be draft picks and you don't know how long you have them for. That's why I think it's a unique circumstance to where the Jets need to take advantage of this opportunity. Really anybody, but I don't think the Raiders are there. I don't think the Raiders are real. I know everybody keeps bringing them up. I, I can't see it. I don't care about Devontae Adams. I'm not connecting the dots. If you do the math and go with McDaniels there, if he's given a real opportunity and ownership trusts him and he says, I'm going to do it my way this time because this is his last opportunity. Sure. If I'm him, I'm not going for a 40-year-old quarterback or whatever it is with Rodgers on a two-year deal with questions. So to me, that's not the right fit. The Jets are. They have the money to spend on that position because they have younger players on rookie contracts that are succeeding in other spots. They clearly have a need at quarterback. Hackett is now there. They brought him in. To me, that's the perfect fit, assuming that the Packers only do trade him to the AFC. I do agree with you about the Raiders. I I don't see it, and I also don't see... Well, listen, I think McDaniels might be desperate enough. Unless Mark Davis, the owner, comes down and is just like, we're getting Rodgers, right? And medals or whatever. I don't see it. And you just had their GM, Dave Ziegler, who came out a couple days ago on the Barstool podcast he was on and said, we might not have the immediate answer at quarterback this year. It's like, well, of course Rodgers is an immediate answer. You would never portray this a different way if you were really gunning for Rodgers. But I don't, I believe He would be your immediate answer. Correct. And I believe they're trying to build something there. So I think it's people trying to connect the dots. But if you look at it, step back and look at McDaniels, knowing that this is his last opportunity, to your point, unless the owner medals and says, no, we want to get this quarterback. And even then, I look at the Jets as a team who is in the conversation to go to a championship game, to go to a Super Bowl if Rodgers there. I do not look at the Raiders in that regard. So I don't, and Rodgers not stupid. He seems to be pretty well-versed on what was going on with the Jets. I don't know how he feels about the Raiders other than Adams, but I don't think that that's an option. I think if he gets traded, I really do feel, if it's the AFC, right. and they said AFC, 
I think the Jets are the fit. Well, I went in my own darkness retreat. Um, How was that? It was here, and it was during a commercial break, and I wrapped a <laughs> scarf around my head, and we turned the lights down, and I had a vision, so. And? The Miami Dolphins. No one's talking about it. They don't have the draft capital this year, but you wouldn't trade Rodgers till after the draft anyway, so we're talking about 2024 draft picks that would kick in for Aaron Rodgers. It's in the AFC Tua's health is a total question mark. You've got an owner who clearly is all in, back-channeling with Tom Brady all those mm-hmm. years to even get them in trouble. And I think the, the the Dolphins are still a possibility. Now, the other thing, though, about the Jets, you had Derek Carr in the building. You had him in the building, and you let him leave. And I think that's going to be something the Jets will soon regret and will regret for a very long time. I know we can't play in cold weather, whatever. Mm -hmm. You can change that. Cold weather is a mindset. Tom Brady used to wear a scuba suit underneath his his, uh, uniform. I don't know, Maggie. It was windy as hell and cold out there today walking in. My my mind could not get right. I was freezing. Wait, Sal, if I was paying you $45 million to come and do this show, do you think you'd be skipping into the studio? Probably, (laughs) yeah. You'd come in in a shorts and a t-shirt. Well, I was going to, but I wasn't sure what bosses were here today. (laughs) Yeah, right. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. What, is there a dress code here? I was going to tell you, I think there is. Spike in today, I want to wear my gym shorts in, but, or sweats, (laughs) but didn't want to take the chance working the daytime hours. No, but if, if, all right, cold is a mindset, fine. I do like where you say, though, two things. Rodgers is not a sure thing. They should have went with Carr. See, I I don't like that. I don't think that Carr is very good. I think he's overrated, and to me, he puts the Jets just in a eh, conversation with the postseason where they'll be a playoff team but can never get over the hump in the AFC. I get why they would want him or why fans would want him. I don't look at him as that type of player. But I love what you said about Miami because I do think that's the only other possibility, and that comes down to does Miami like Tua enough or no? Because Miami should be all in on Aaron Rodgers. Totally. And if, if they, I mean, they but could be in that conversation. It's not about liking Tua. It's like Tua could get hit in week one, and all of a sudden now Teddy Bridgewater well, or whoever. Or trust there. Tua. Maybe that's yeah, a better word, trust yeah. Tua. You could like Tua, and he did some great things this year when healthy, but Definitely. there's that concern. And by the way, even if they do like and trust Tua, there's still a better option out there right now that could get them to a Super Bowl. The same thing that I say about the Jets, I would say about the Dolphins. That's the one, and you want to do these shows on the fan, talking about it from a local perspective. We're talking about what Aaron Rodgers and the Jets, the one team that would worry me would be the Miami Dolphins because I think they have what Rodgers would want. It's just a matter if they are willing to go all in for Aaron Rodgers. Listen, Tyreek Hill already chose the Dolphins. He had the, he had it was like, what do you want? The Chiefs said, we'll trade you to the Jets, we'll trade you to the Dolphins, and he said, and went to Miami. Right, but the, and the difference is, obviously, the Jets don't have a quarterback where at least Miami could have a quarterback with Tua. That's the difference. So they have to, as an organization, decide if they want Tua or if they want Aaron Rodgers. Obviously, we know the Jets need Rodgers. Well, we were talking with Sal about his embarrassing encounter with Mike Piazza that ended up having a happy ending yeah, with Mike Piazza sending it was, you a yeah. deal. I'm sorry. I editorialized that it was embarrassing. Yeah, I know. You keep saying, it wasn't that <laughs> it was, bad. It was the best day of Sal's life right. that I'm calling embarrassing. It was close. Yeah. <laughs> it was dicey there for a second. <laughs> but kick save and a beauty that you were hosting the WFN Morning Show the next day. Yeah. Uh, we've asked you for some of your awkward celebrity or athlete encounters, and you guys are delivering. Let's go to Nate, who's in Pennsylvania. This is a big one. Nate, who'd you hey, meet? Hey, hey. Uh, once again, sorry. I actually didn't meet him. It was a. Uh... My friend's dad, um, but uh, Dave Chappelle, he uh, got off work. He works at the post office. 
he was going into Best Buy. He saw a guy step out in the curb in Best Buy, light up a cigarette, and was getting closer to him. He thought, man, that's Dave Chappelle. They went to get a picture with him or something, and so kind of nervously he walked up and uh, stood there by him and made eye contact and said, Dave Chappelle? <laughs> and Dave Chappelle looked at him and I went to mailman. Before he could say anything else, a car pulled up, he hopped in it, and away he went. <laughs> they, so no picture was taken. Oh, man. Funny story, though. Thanks for calling Nate Dave Chappelle. Mailman. That's such a good encounter. Also, we do know that Chappelle does smoke quite a bit. Uh, how about Shane, who's in Oregon, has got a good one. What's up, Shane? Uh, not much. Uh, thanks for taking the call. You got so it. I was, I was in a, uh, at a fatherhood conference in December, and Ben Roethlisberger happened to be there. I guess he's starting the camp for fathers and stuff. And I'm a big birds fan, go birds. Uh, and I decided to walk over. I said, just like, hey, right state, wrong, uh, wrong team. Um, but oh, no. enjoyed, watching, enjoyed watching you play. Um, and, uh, hey, can I get a picture with you later? I don't want to – I want to respect your space and everything. He's like, yeah, sure, absolutely. And so the whole conference, like – he just sort of felt like he was avoiding me. Hmm. And I have a cousin who is a big uh, Steelers fan, huge Steelers fan. And I thought, you know, I'd like to go get a football and have him sign it for my cousin. But um, I wanted to ask him permission, but I couldn't get permission. So yeah, because he, he, he was giving you the oops-a-doop. That's yeah. what he was doing. This is awkward. Yeah, he was, he was actively <clears throat> yeah. avoiding you, Shane. <laughs> <laughs> so I decided to ask for forgiveness. So during the break, I ran into town, grabbed the football. I didn't want to go too like too much, so I didn't buy like the Duke football. I just bought a regular football, and I uh, <clears throat> finally caught him. And he was standing there with his wife Ashley. I'm like, "Hey, can I get that photo, please?" And uh, he's like, "Yeah, absolutely." And Ashley like, oh, takes no. the photo, and then I whip out. I said, "One more thing." Shane, you're breaking every rule of the book right now. I'm cringing listening to this. (laughs) He did it and then just like turned his back and walked away. It was like, oh. But the cool thing was was that my cousin was so excited about it that. uh, Yeah, made it uh, worth it. Yeah, made it worth it. And you're never going to see Roethlisberger again. Shane, thank you for the phone call. Every. No, no in the book. That's a bad one. But he ultimately got the. And, and, Got the football. and nowadays, don't you think it's changed celebrity encounters now where most people, it's not about autographs anymore, I wouldn't think. No, it's about photos. Right. Yeah. Uh, by the way, one just hit me. I can't even believe I didn't share this one with you before. Go. With my nephew, who loves hockey, seven-year-old, eight-year-old at the time, taking him to one of his first games at the Garden. It was like his second game at the Garden, but I'm going through the whole experience. I know where the players come in. You know, he's sitting there. He's wearing a Shesterkin jersey that I just got for him that night to go to the game. I got him a Shesterkin jersey. Oh, wow. This is before Igor became big. You staked like, out the 33rd and 8th? Well, yeah, right. So I, I'm like, <laughs> oh, I remember I met Adam Graves here in 94. I'm like, all right, let's go. So I, now I don't know these players anymore. I, I do now because I get into it from my nephew. But at the time, this is like one of the first games of the year. And there are other people there who are like, oh, you know, oh, there's this guy and that guy. Yeah. So I'm listening to what they're saying. Some guy's like, oh, that's Truba. Yeah. So I, now I'm like, okay, here comes Truba. I see the guy walking toward us on the street or whatever. And I'm yelling at him, yo, Jacob, Truba, you the man. Can you sign this? for? No, can you take a picture? I mean, we didn't have anything to sign. Can you take a picture with my nephew whatever? Takes the picture, couldn't be nice. I'm like, true, Bob, thank you. You're the man. Walks away. My nephew goes, Uncle Sal, that was just Durkin. Oh. Uh. I'm like, why'd you tell me? You made me embarrassed.
excuse myself. <laughs> also, Sal, way to come in with the subtlety. Yeah, <laughs> I know. like, sir, would you mind? Oh, no, no. Like, True love from two I tell him, away. You, you gotta, if you're not loud, you ain't getting anything. You gotta let them know. And then I'm like, would you tell me? I'm going to the other guy. Would you say true before? He goes, oh, no, no. I meant he just drove in and oh, parked. Yeah, yeah, you can't trust anybody, so. Yeah. <laughs> How embarrassing is that? I thought Igor Shesterkin, one of the more famous faces in New York hockey, certainly now, yeah. would Jacob Trouba. Well, also, the fun part is he's definitely taking that photo when he goes into the dressing room, goes right to Igor and is like, I just took a picture. Or to Igor go, goes, Igor to, Igor Truba, goes to Truba, yeah. excuse me, goes to take a picture. I just pose for you like when guys sign autographs for each other, like when they get mistaken. I don't know if he understood my English. I don't know if he had his <laughs> earbuds in, but he was looking at me like, like, yeah, man, whatever. Meanwhile, he sees my nephew with a Shesterkin jersey. Yeah. So he took the picture. He was ready to sign it. We didn't have a mark. He took the picture, and he's looking at me like, you idiot. <laughs> he, all he probably understands, if anything, was Truba. Truba. <laughs> but how does my nephew not say something? He's seven years old, Sal. You're a full grown man. Uncle Sal, that was just Sturkin. You could have told me that two seconds ago. That would be the worst. Is, That's a bad one. Is saying to somebody, are you somebody else? You know, like right. Boomer and oh. Phil Sims always get mixed up for each other. I used to get that for Carton and Tierney a couple of times. It bothered me. Well, you guys are bald men. Uh, yeah, but that's Yelling discrimination. I hate that. <laughs> right. We don't all look the same. Well, 855-212-4CBS. 855-212-4227. Maybe. Uh, see you guys on the phones. Get back to your awkward celebrity encounters in just a moment. But we mentioned... This big article that came out about Russell Wilson and uh, what went wrong in Seattle and now what went wrong in Denver in his first year. Kaylin Kaler, one of the authors of that article, she's going to join us next. Get her take on what's going on with Russell Wilson. Don't move. More Maggie and Perloff. Salicata in for Perloff today on CBS Sports Radio. Baseball is back. And so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode. And catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. Welcome back to Maggie and Perloff. Sal Licata from WFAN filling in for Perloff today, who we found out did try skiing for the first time in his life. We'll get the full update from that on Monday. But of course, Sal, biggest topic in the sports world today is this big piece in The Athletic about Russell Wilson. The title, Russell Wilson's first year with the Broncos, too much influence, too few wins in disorganized disaster. One of the authors of that article is Kaylin Kaler. She's a senior NFL writer for The Athletic, and she joins us now. Hey, Kaylin, thanks so much for doing this today. Hey, Maggie, long time no talk. I know. Kaylin and I work together back in Sports Illustrated. Sal Akata's in yep. with me today. All right, Kaylin, the biggest um, like pull out of your article that's getting a lot of play is that mm-hmm. before Russell Wilson was traded to the Broncos, that he tried to get... Pete Carroll and John Schneider, the coach and general manager, fired from the Seahawks. Can you flesh this out and like how direct was this request? Was it a him or me? Can you what more can you tell us about what's making the big headlines today? Um, that's pretty much what what we have written is pretty much exactly what we could report. Um, obviously, you know, as a reporter yourself, you kind of understand what goes on there. So that's what we have written, which is. Wilson asked Seahawks to fire, Seahawks ownership to fire both John and Pete is pretty much all I can say there. 
Um, however, I mean, we all know the timeline of how these things shake out, right? Like a year before, he his agent had to put out the list of trade destinations, um, one of which was New Orleans, uh, who at the time was coached by Sean Payton, who is now his head coach in Denver. And then, you know, that season went by and it was like pretty clear, like things were probably going to end. Um, and then he he asked ownership for for uh, his wishes, which was for Pete and John to be fired. And then that year, that year at the combine. So that was in February when he made his ask. And then at the combine that year, so, you know, a few weeks later, um, that is when the trade was, you know, first seriously discussed between the two teams. And then he ends up being traded. So, you know, this, I mean, it kind of explains a lot to how things ended with him in Seattle. But, you know, I, I feel like even if he hadn't made this ask, he was probably going to get traded anyways, because there was just, you know, a lot before that, that kind of spelled out the end for him there. But I think like the second half of our story, which was about how, you know, his Denver um, most disappointing season, probably in Broncos franchise history. I think our reporting on that part was actually really interesting to me. And like, I totally understand why like the Seattle part is making the headlines, but I think the part, you know, that we reported about why things were so bad in Denver, which is, you know, as one coach put it, Russell had too much influence and that's because Hackett allowed him to have influence. I think that really says it all. You know, he got what he didn't have and what he wanted in Seattle. He ended up getting in Denver. He had an office. He had his own support staff in the building um, most days of the week. They had pretty much unlimited access. His quarterback coach could not be in staff meetings or offensive meetings, but he was around. He was part of Russell's like Tuesday meetings on the off days with, with just the offensive players. He was at practice all the time. Um, Russell had a lot of input into his offense. He reported that um, he would present a list of plays to coach Hackett, who would then sign off on those plays because he wanted to include a lot of what he did in Seattle into this offense in Denver. Um, one coach told us he brought the entire no huddle package to Denver he, including the code words that they would use there. And, you know, one interesting thing that we reported was that um, a Denver coach told us that he, Russell kept adding, like, extra cadences to the offensive line in Denver. Yeah, Kaylin, um, I want to get into that in just a yeah. moment about, like, you know, what the influence and how that played out on the field. But just wrapping up the Seattle thing for oh, yeah, one sure. second. So, Sorry, Russell... I got, a, I got on a roll. <laughs> it's okay. We want you on a roll. Uh, <laughs> Russell Wilson tweeted out today after the story oh, yes. was published. I love Pete and he yeah. was a father figure to me and John believed in me and drafted me as well. I never wanted them fired. All any of us wanted was to win. I'll always have respect for them and love for Seattle. What's your response to that? Wilson saying he never wanted them fired. Well, what's interesting about that is obviously we, um, went to his people, his, his agent, his representatives yesterday for, um, comment about, you know, this, uh, detail that we were reporting about him wanting Pete and John fired. And he didn't give us a comment. You know, we didn't have a comment from him to include in our article when we went to publish this morning. And then I don't know what time he actually tweeted that. I'm not sure, like, as far as what time we published versus what time he put that out there. But um, as soon as he put that out there, we reflected that in our article, like we added it. But, you know, I think it's interesting that before publish, he did not give us a comment and he wanted to do it on his own Twitter instead, which like, I totally understand. So I was expecting that comment today, um, you know, because we saw, when was it two weeks ago during Super Bowl week? Um, there was that story about his charity that came out and he did the same thing. He put out a video giving his side of the story after like no commenting for the actual story. So 
I guess my reaction is that I was not surprised by his tweet. Kaylin, how much of Russell Wilson's failures in year one um, were because of maybe teammates not respecting him or not liking him? I mean, you're doing the reporting. Maybe you could help me on this. I know you mentioned with Hackett, but what about the teammates? How do they feel about Russell Wilson? Was so, there a disconnect that led to maybe his poor play? I think there was a, certainly a disconnect, but actually, like, most of the players, I would say all of the players that we spoke to, um, you know, and we spoke to more than 15 Broncos players, coaches, and staffers, so you know, nobody we spoke to said, you know, oh, Russell's horrible. Russell is egotistical. Russell's a narcissist. Like, none of that. None of the narrative that, like, we're used to seeing about Russell Wilson, you know, from some of his former Seattle teammates, that was really not at all what was going on here. I think the disconnect with Russell and his teammates came specifically from, you know, him having an office on the second floor of the building and him having his own staff. Like, several players we spoke to said how different that was. And they didn't necessarily mean different as in bad, but they just pointed out, like, we've never played with a quarterback who had three of his own staff members following him around in the building, and we've never played with a quarterback who had his office on the second floor. And multiple people pointed out to us. I mean, did they ever play with a quarterback who won a Super Bowl before? I mean, (laughs) come on. I'm not saying it's normal, but, I mean, Russell Wilson is Russell Wilson. The guy won a Super Bowl. Right. Well, I mean, and that's, I mean, that's an interesting argument. It's like, you know, Tom Brady had his body man in the building, although that didn't end well in New England, um, when they ended up, you know, kicking him out with his access, uh, you know, eventually there. So it is an interesting argument is like, okay, you know, at some point, if you're good enough as a quarterback, do you earn that? And the Broncos felt that he did because George Payton, general manager and coach Hackett both agreed, you know, as soon as he was traded there, they had conversations like, okay, yeah, you can have your own workspace within the building. Yes. You can have your own staff. But I think the proof of why that didn't work is what we reported. Um, The final two weeks of the season, as soon as coach Hackett was fired, um, Broncos leadership initiated a conversation with Russell Wilson, where they brought up his staff and his office and the result of that conversation was that Russell agreed, okay, I'm going to not bring my staff into the building anymore and I'm not going to use my office anymore. And then Jerry Judy told us, yeah, he was in the locker room a lot more for the last two weeks of the season. And so basically what happened there was he started spending more time with his teammates. He started, you know, he, he basically got on the same level. He got out of his second floor office and started spending more time on the first floor locker room. And so just the fact that like that was the result, because their meeting, that meeting was to discuss, okay, what can we make changes to that? Like what wasn't working during the the rest of the season that we can change now? And that was the result of that meeting. So I think that, you know, sort of led to the disconnect there and put him on a different level than his teammates. But as far as like the main reason why things weren't working is because Hackett allowed Russell to have too much control of the offense. And a lot of that um, from our reporting, we learned that that was probably rooted in Hackett's experience in Green Bay. Um, He was on Matt LaFleur's um, staff, first staff in Green Bay. And obviously that first year, um, implementing that offense with Aaron Rodgers was tough. It was a tough transition. And one coach told us that Hackett actually brought that up. And in reference to why he wanted to allow, you know, why he wanted to be accommodating to Russell and, include Russell in the invention of the offense. And what we ended up seeing this season was that it was too much control to the quarterback. 
And that led to a lot of inconsistency. Things were changing from week to week, and there was a ton of confusion. Caitlin, did you find, well, okay, what were there in your reporting? Were there things that Russell Wilson was doing that directly impacted the negative product on the field? By him having that much influence, it negatively impacted the Broncos in the win-loss column. I mean, I think it was a combination. I mean, I think and I think this is how we reported it, too, is like it was really a combination between Hackett's staff not working well together, coming at this season with too many ideas and not a solid uh, you know, identity of like, okay, this is what we want our offense to be. So then when Hackett allows Wilson to have influence on the offense, the offense already didn't have a firm identity. So then, you know, one source told us like you, you could ask any player on the offense and they would not be able to tell you what the offense offensive identity was. And so I think it's like, you know, it's not only Russell's fault for why this season didn't work. I think if Sean Payton had been his head coach this season, I mean, it probably would have worked. Like, I think Sean, as Dalton Reisner says at the end of our story, um, and he's a a guard um, who started 15 games this season, so, like, he was in the thick of it. Dalton Reisner said, you know, Payton is going to set a standard, and you're going to have to meet it. That's what Denver needs. They need him to come in and set a standard, hold guys accountable, and say, this is what we're going to have to be. Hey, so Kaylin, sorry, of, just, yeah. just to jump in for one second, we're talking with Kaylin Kaler. She's a senior NFL writer for The Athletic. New story about Russell Wilson that's on The Athletic today. Russ is obviously, you write in the story, has always loved Drew Brees, and so maybe had wanted to be coached by Sean Payton for quite a long time. Mm-hmm. When he tried to pull the power play in Seattle and try to get Pete Carroll and John Schneider fired for them to hire Sean Payton, do you know if Payton was like, aware of that was was Peyton even interested in taking that Seattle job if it was offered to him that's a good question um I think it's complicated by the fact that they would have had to do you know you know what Denver did they would have had to trade for him um so it wasn't the normal just hire a coach scenario so I don't know personally I don't actually know the answer to that it would be a good thing to um ask him and I recently learned I found out today that Sean Peyton actually follows me on Twitter so (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> flex, flex, Kalen. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's good. He might want to read this story, you know. And, and by the way, he's active on Twitter, too, because he just went at some Denver Broncos reporter the other day yes. for not having the amount of coaches right. So be yeah. careful what you tweet, Kalen. <laughs> no, I know. I know. And that's, that's actually how I found that out. Yeah. I was like, oh, no, he's 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 following me. Better be careful. <laughs> well, I'm sure he was very interested to see what went wrong in Denver and how to avoid it. Kalen, fantastic reporting. Really appreciate your time today. Great to catch up with you on a side note and hope all's well. Thanks, Maggie. Thanks, Sal. Thank you. Appreciate Kalen Kaler from The Athletic, senior NFL reporter. Uh, I think things will be fine now with with Peyton restoring order there. Yeah, but this is a big job for him. I know going into New Orleans, and New Orleans was a bit of a mess when he took over Mm -hmm. there, but you're talking about this this feels like a ground-up situation. and It's ground up with a super famous quarterback who just had a very high-profile and spectacular failure in year one. But there's now order. So to me, I still respect the authority of a coach. Like, he should be calling the shots. And there are very few coaches in today's NFL that actually have that track record that that command the respect that Sean Payton does. How about this? Is Nathaniel Hackett and how bad he was, and Kalen's talking about how they had no offensive identity. 
Is this not a shot to everyone who thinks you have to hire an offensive-minded coach as your head coach? And, like, I get it. Defensive-minded head coaches are not the thing. I know D'Amico Ryans got hired in Houston, but, like, they are not the thing. Nathaniel Hackett, 20 years in the NFL or whatever it is. Father was a, was a head coach in college, was assisted in the pros, you know, no clue. Right, but... Came in, no identity offense. There's a difference between being a good offensive mind or a good offensive coordinator and being a head coach yeah. of a football team. Too many times these teams, whether it be defensive or not, you know, the defensive coordinator for the Eagles, oh, yeah, here's a here's a great idea. Wow, the Eagles just went to the Super Bowl. Let's go get their offensive coordinator and their defensive coordinator. What could possibly go wrong? <laughs> oh, I don't know. Maybe you don't have Jalen Hurts. Like, it, does, it just doesn't make any sense to me the way that these... Young coaches who are inexperienced get hired to be a head coach when I think it takes a certain personality, a certain level of experience to be a good head coach. We've been asking for your awkward celebrity encounters. I got to get to this one. Donovan's in Oregon. He's got two. Donovan, pick pick your best one. Let us know. Oh, the best one would have to be uh, when I was a 19-year-old sports reporter. Um, I had the opportunity to meet Jack Tatum. Wow. And my dad found out that I'd gotten the interview, and he sent me to this trading card show where Jack was and sent me with his paperback of They Call Me Assassin. Interview goes great. We're walking back out to the parking lot. He signs the book, and I brought up Daryl Stingley, and he looked me dead in the eye and said, Son, you were doing so well. (laughs) (laughs) And I've never been more terrified, but... Can I give you the second one very quick? Yeah, yeah. give us it real quick. 1981, hole-in-the-wall town, southwest Oregon, Tug McGraw shows up. He was the closer for the Phillies the year they won the World Series. And there's this little snot-nosed brat running all over this store where Tug's signing autographs, who apparently he turned out to be a pretty halfway decent country singer. It was Tim? Yeah. Wow. It was Tim. Crazy. Donovan, thank you so much for the call. Appreciate that. A little snot-nosed brat, maybe a little strong, but <laughs> well, that's cool. And it turned out to be Tim McGraw. Right. There you go. Ak, you like that story about the Jack Tatum. Oh, yeah. That's tremendous. <laughs> I uh, I had one similar. Kenny Anderson. Yeah. I'm a huge Knicks fan. Grow up. Kenny Anderson's at the local Wiz. Nobody beats the Wiz. I don't Nobody know why. Nobody beats the Wiz. Yeah, That's I, a long one. I don't know if I was looking to go buy the, the latest Eminem CD or why. I don't even know why I was there. But anyway, Kenny Anderson's there, and I go up to him dressed in, in full Nick gear. Yeah, he's not ah. going to appreciate that. He's, and I and go. That's a lottery pick. And as he signed him, they go, hey, Kenny, what's, uh, what's John Starks like? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Why the guy that you? ruined his career. I, yeah, exactly. I didn't even know. I don't care. I'm just thinking, I love John Stark so much. I want to get as much insider info as I can to him. And this is a guy who plays against him. Maybe he can help me out and tell me if Stark's a good guy or not. Have you seen Kenny since? Because he's like not. around. No, you know? I have not. I okay. love I'm going to have to text him that story. You know who was there, yeah. too? Remember the real world? The, from MTV. The show. Yeah, yeah, of course. Kenny Anderson used to, I think he was married he to was Tammy. He was married to Tammy from LA. She was there as well, walking around CD shopping. Yeah. And I you're know. like, tell me about, <laughs> oh, geez, Hey, what's that? John Starks like? Now, I was like <laughs> 18, whatever, maybe even younger, but yeah. <laughs> you're lucky you left That's there. A bad one. You didn't leave there in a body bag. 855 212 4 CBS, 855 212 4227. Okay. See you guys on the phones. Get to that in just a moment. Also, coming up, Sal was watching something last night, and he's got a strong opinion about what was on the telly. We'll tell you about it after this CBS Sports Update with Rich Ackerman. 
Welcome back to Maggie and Perloff. Sal Licata from WFAN and SNY sitting in for Perloff today. Got a lot to get to, but Sal had a encounter with an athlete, Mike Piazza, that went from cringe to like, cool. <laughs> you saved it at the end. How did that even come up, by the way? What were we talking about that even made that come up? Uh, something about Michael Vick. I, I think oh. you also, I think you really wanted to get that story on the air. <laughs> oh, no, I, don't, said it before. I don't know why. Shoehorning would... <laughs> stories into the radio show. I have so many. I know. I feel like people are actually listening to me now, Maggie. It's not like the overnight. The Jake Gyllenhaal, you went up to him in a drunken stupor. Well, we're on the topic, and now I remember all these other encounters. Yes, the Gyllenhaal one was uh, unfortunate <laughs> for, for <you>. him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess for, for everyone involved. I, I have to know, do you have a story about meeting Hulk Hogan? Because I see that shirt that no. you're wearing, and I'm just like... No, he's on my... Like, I have a wish list of guys that I could interview. Hogan would probably be one of them. I've never met him before. So, so we got ever? Vic, we got Piazza, we got Hogan. Matt Ryan. Matt Ryan. Realistic. Well, Dave Letterman. List. Dave Letterman's the, like the... Dave Letterman would be amazing. Yeah. Oh, my God. He um, would be the dream one. He would be the dream. But, like, which one of these things is not like the other? I'm not going to lie. Matt Ryan. Like, you host a sports show. Getting Matt Ryan... That's not Letterman or Hogan. Those, no, Letterman's on. You should right. be able to get Matt Ryan. Correct. And <laughs> I don't know why I can't. Matt Ryan wants to get into broadcast. I'm just trying to, the last week, I'm like, hey, I'm reaching out to all my contacts yeah. who are, you know, producers or whatever. He was just at CBS at the end I of the know. season, right? <laughs> you would think that somebody along the way has a contact to Matt Ryan to where he'd be like, hey, I'm on the fan. I need to have you on because it'd be a good, good segment. Also, what do you think Matt Ryan's doing these days? Nothing right yeah, now. He's, he's waiting to get cut to by do. the Colts. <laughs> right? Exactly. No, he the, the problem would not be getting him. The problem is getting to him to ask him to come on. I just don't know how to do that. I don't know, yet. <laughs> I'll go to Indianapolis <laughs> if I have to. I mean, <laughs> I bet he's not there. Or Atlanta. I'll go to Atlanta. <laughs> I'd give you $100 that he's not in Indianapolis. <laughs> good point. Yeah. Uh, let's go to Justin, who's in Ohio. This is a good one. Justin, who'd you meet? Hi, yeah. Hi, Maggie. I hey. met um, Shaq. And we were at the Cleveland airport. It was me and my mom. It was like 1998. And we're walking, we're walking and um, I see Shaq. I'm like, mom, that's Shaq. She says, that's not Shaq. And she keeps walking. Hmm. I'm like, no, mom, that's Shaq. And then he stands up. She said, oh my, that is Shaq. <laughs> so we just started busting out laughing. I had to take a quick picture and he rubbed my head and said, all right, little fella, see you later. <laughs> just what are the most, Craziest moments I had ever. He seems so like the awesome. nicest celebrity ever, Shaq. <laughs> yes, he is. Well, and Justin's got the story to confirm it in the airport. Thank you, Justin. You ever meet Shaq or interview Shaq? I have. Um, I have a, a couple times. Um, once didn't go so well. What, he and was not nice or just the no, interview? No, it wasn't that he wasn't nice. We went to... What was he promoting? A video game or something. We ended up going to this like photo studio in New York. Is when I was working for Sports Illustrated, mm -hmm. and we went to go interview him. And he was just kind of standoffish. And like I thought I was going to get the encounter that Justin got. Right. You know, like I've interviewed Barkley. Like these guys are great and Fun like loving. And they're cool and they get it and they are great when the camera turns on and or when you're doing an interview. And he was just sort of like, eh. He was just okay. It's just okay. Right. We leave there. I'm like, man, I really feel like a failure. Like, what happened? How did I not get anything fun with Shaq? We were trying to do fun things. We weren't asking him any crazy hard questions. It turns out that recently Sports Illustrated had put him on the cover when he was playing for the Cleveland Cavaliers. This is like at the end of Shaq's career when he bounced around a little Phoenix, Cleveland, Boston. This is like the very, very end. And it was a close-up photo of his face. And he looked like he had aged a little bit. 
He didn't like it. Hated it. So you're Sports Illustrated. So I'm Sports Illustrated. I had no idea that he had had a problem with the cover or didn't like it or thought it was something else and it turned into another thing. I am not privy to any of this because there are levels to this thing, and I was not at the level right. of deciding who's on the Sports Illustrated cover. Right. I was many rungs below the ladder, and he was upset about that, so he kind of gave us the cold fish interview. Wow. Yeah, no clue. Didn't know. Understandable, but he can't hold you accountable for something that has nothing to do with you. Yeah. I mean, it's I had nothing to do with it. Lighten up, Shaq. <laughs> uh, oh, our buddy, Nick in Texas, coming through with the celebrity encounter. Nick, you know everybody. I've just been fortunate to meet a lot of people. Real quickly, hashtag Weedos. Uh, in the chat and the purple drinkers. Yes. Uh, yeah, I've been fortunate to meet a lot of great people. I've been telling my stories in the chat, but real quickly, the one that really sticks out, you guys were just in Phoenix, and uh, I was trying to tell you where to go, and one of them was where I used to work, which was the Village, which is a tennis and sports health club. Well, while I was working there, Ric Flair was in town, and he's been using our gym to work out. The next day, he came in just, like, guns blazing, yelling, and I was, like, standing there at the front desk. He just started ripping into me, yelling at me. There was no, woo! He <laughs> was just straight yelling. And he was yelling and yelling, and I was, like, a deer in headlights. I didn't know what to do, but it had nothing to do with me. What had happened was there was a fight that had happened in the gym uh, previous, the day before, but he didn't want anybody to know that he broke it up. So I was just the first person he saw, and he came and just yelled it and gave it to me. Luckily, the, the owner came and, you know, worked it out with me. He never apologized, but there's always, like, an autograph show here in uh, Texas that I go to and do meet a lot of athletes, and he's always there. And I've always just wanted to ro- walk up to him and, you know, tell him that story. But hmm. he was definitely uh, scary, like you would think. <laughs> you know, he was in wrestling mode, for sure. Man, Nick. Amazing story and fantastic job again on uh, the on the charity, on the pie for Emma. Nick, you did a great job with that. Everyone in the chat giving you a huge round of applause. Fantastic stuff and great story. Have a good weekend, Nick. Say hi to everybody for us. You've ever interviewed Flair? You've interviewed yeah, a lot Flair of... Flair with Charlotte. Both of them together. Wow. Yeah, that was a fun one at, at SI. And he was obviously, you know, super proud of her. And, and that was a good one. Spilling in for you, I think twice I did that. I probably did the show a little bit more when you were off or whatever. I, I interviewed G- uh, Gene Simmons and Anthony Mackie, who were really cool. <laughs> That's like, cool. yeah, I'm, what am I going to ever interview celebrities other than filling in for Mackie? <laughs> Listen, I'm happy to spread the wealth. Uh, <laughs> all right. Never got to what you were watching on TV last night that got you fired up, but also Sal's got a prediction on a quarterback move. We're going to get to that in just a moment. Don't move. You promise? Your phone calls for Maggie and, per- and Perloff. With Salicata filling in today right after this. Listen to every MLB game live. In the deep left center field. It is high. It is far. It is gone. Stream minor league affiliates. The Midwest League home run leader. And watch the best baseball highlights and look-ins on MLB Big Inning. MLB at bat is your all-in-one live baseball subscription for only $3.99 per month. Deep left field. It's going to go. Alvarez ties the game. Subscribe to at bat within the MLB app today. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission.